Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew speaks on the temptation of Jesus, preached on February the 9th, 1997. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Matthew chapter 4. The temptation of Jesus. That's our subject this morning, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Tempted, yet without sin. From Nazareth, at the age of 30, came Jesus to the desert of Judea, that he might be baptized by John the Baptist at the river Jordan. Now we noticed at his baptism, the Holy Spirit descended upon him, and the Father's voice was heard by Jesus, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased. And we notice that Jesus is both the son of God and the suffering servant. He is both king to whom nations are given as inheritance and the suffering servant of the Isaiahic prophecy. As the anointed Messiah, he must suffer and only then enter into his glory. He was baptized by John in view of his baptism of suffering on the cross that was awaiting him. Truly, he was the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Now, when you read chapter 4, we read, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, the Spirit of God that came upon him. Full of the Spirit, Luke says, Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, this idea of being led by the Spirit, tells us the complete submission of Jesus Christ to the will of his Father. Let me tell you, there is a personal devil, chief of all personal demons. That is a reality. The devil and demons oppose God and his Christ and his holy church. They oppose all that is good and righteous. The story is told of Martin Luther. He was tempted by the devil and he took his ink bottle and threw at him. And even today you can see the ink on the wall of his room. Yes, the devil is Satan. He opposes God. He opposes his Christ. He opposes you and me on a daily basis. All unbelievers, all evildoers are under the management of this evil spirit. They all obey him. The scripture tells us so, especially in Ephesians chapter 2. He is the devil means slanderer. He's Satan, meaning he opposes God. 
And St. John says in his epistle, the devil leads the whole world astray. He speaks to Christians on a daily basis and urges them to do evil. But here the Spirit takes the initiative. The Holy Spirit takes the initiative and leads the Messiah to the wilderness to be tempted by the personal agency of this devil. The word tempt means solicitation by the devil to do evil. It also means testing by God that we may prove faithful to him. So temptation is always a testing. A testing is always a temptation. God tested Abraham in the matter of the sacrificing of his son. And Abraham was proved faithful. He was obedient. When a person is tempted, the devil is there, either personally or by his delegated authority of demons. Because we know that devil is not omnipresent. Devil is a creature. So he works through his agents, whether demons or people. So when a person is tempted, I said the devil is there, but thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit also is there. Holy Spirit is infinite God. He is for us. The devil is a fallen creature who is against us. But if we trust God in the temptation, we shall be given grace to resist the devil successfully. I said God is for us. He wants us to win and he will cause us to win. We read in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 about temptation. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide you a way out so that you can stand up under it. The temptation of Jesus was unique. Satan tempted him in terms of Christ's mission, which God gave him. Satan tempted him to act independently of his father, to act contrary to the will of the father. Satan tempted him to avoid the path of the cross, the path of suffering, the path of humiliation. Though Jesus was sinless, son of God, he was not beyond temptation. 
The book of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18 tells us, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Of course, there is a mystery in this temptation of Jesus. And we can talk about how sinless Jesus can be tempted. We can talk about whether Jesus was able not to sin, per se non peccare, or whether Jesus was unable to sin, non per se peccare. But the truth is, he was tempted. The truth is, he suffered. The truth is, he learned obedience by suffering. There is mystery here, just like there is mystery in all of scriptures. You may want to ask the question, how did sin originate in the heart of sinless Adam? You may want to ask the question how his guilt has been imputed to every son of Adam. We may want to ask the question how our guilt is imputed to Christ. We may want to ask the question how Christ's righteousness is imputed to us. We may want to ask the question, how Jesus can be both God and perfect man? How in his divine person he took also a perfect human nature? We can ask all these questions. There is a certain mystery about it. And we cannot answer all these questions on this side of heaven. Now we see through a glass darkly. Then face to face. But here the truth is. Jesus was temptable. And he was tempted. And he suffered. And he learned obedience. Through temptation. Let me tell you. The history of humanity. Revolves around. The history of two representative men. First Adam and the last Adam, Jesus. The one was tempted, we are told, in paradise. He was tempted when he was not hungry and famished. He was tempted though he had plenty to eat in paradise. Yet, we are told that he sinned and thus all human beings became sinners and subject to death. Now comes the second Adam, the last Adam. He ate nothing, we are told, for 40 days and nights. And at the end he was famished. Now we are told that he was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert into Jeshimon, devastation. 
There is nothing to eat. But you have stones all around. And the devil comes to him at this vulnerable point to turn him away from the path of submission and obedience to the Father. And yet, Jesus Christ was successful in this temptation. Satan was defeated. He conquered Satan through his obedience to the Father. And in Jesus, therefore, all his people also succeeded. That is the theology that we are given in Romans 5 and verse 19. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. That brings us shame, misery, guilt, condemnation, death. But praise be to God, that's not the end of the sentence. So also, through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. By the power of the Spirit, Jesus defeated the devil in his temptation. By remaining loyal as a son to his father. He resisted the devil by the Spirit and Scripture, and the devil was driven away. He fled. The kingdom of Satan is defeated. Satan is on the run. Soon Jesus will return to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit to cast out demons, to give sight to the blind, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers, and to preach the good news to the poor. Jesus has power through obedience, through submission. Yet we know the war will continue until Jesus disarms the powers and authorities and makes a public spectacle of them triumphing over them through the cross. But the kingdom of God, which was announced to be near, now has come in the ministry of Jesus. After the temptation in the desert, the strong man, the devil, is bound. So read Matthew 12 and verse 28. Jesus says there, but if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Soon, he would say, now is the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. By the cross, Jesus drove out the devil and his demons. The prince of this world came, but he had no hold on Jesus. The prince of this world was judged and condemned by him. Through the temptation I said Satan tried to turn Jesus away from the cross. But he refused. And we are glad. He would even rebuke Peter who counseled Jesus to avoid the cross. He would say, get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not set your mind on the things of God. 
Let's look at the first temptation based on personal need of Jesus. The three temptations came at the end of the total fast of 40 days. Notice Satan is very crafty. He wouldn't tempt us always. He tempts us at opportune times. He chooses to tempt at a certain vulnerable times. When one is weak physically and so on. When your child is sick and when your child dies. When you are promoted. When you are successful, he comes. When you are downcast, he comes. He knows when to come. Here Satan comes to tempt Jesus when he was famished. The spirit led him to the desert. There were wild animals, but no food. You do not know the temptation was taking place in the form of a vision or literally. God led Israel into the wilderness, we are told. God humbled them, caused them to hunger, to prove them, to see what was in their heart, whether they would be loyal to this Jehovah. But they chose to murmur. Against Jehovah. Now again here in the wilderness. The true Israelite. Jesus Christ. God is humbling him. And causing him to suffer hunger. The question is. Would he murmur. Against the father who said. This is my son. In whom I am well pleased. And Satan comes to him and says. If you are the son of God. It doesn't mean that it's a doubtful proposition. It means since you are son of God, as you heard your father saying at the time of your baptism, since you are the son of God, you have the power and you have the authority. You are hungry, aren't you? You need to eat and eating is legitimate. But this is a wilderness. There's no bread here. There's no food here. So don't you think it is all right to make stones into bread because you are son of God, because you have power? As power, as son of God, you have power to command the stones to become bread. And then so simple you can eat go ahead prove yourself a son find out what does this mean that you are a son of God Satan is saying it sounds ridiculous the son of God being hungry and what is the reply of Jesus it is written this means God's word is unchanging authority at all times. It is the rule for us to live by. Now let me say to you. Jesus believed in the absolute authority of the scriptures. It's the unchanging authority at all times. Absolute authority. His delight was in the law of the Lord. While growing up in Nazareth. 
He studied the book and internalized it. He loved the word. He grew up in wisdom, we are told by St. Luke. Wisdom is fear of the Lord's submission to God's authoritative word. Wisdom is obedience to the word. Wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is sufficient to God's word. Let me tell you, he didn't have a Bible in the wilderness. But 30 years he spent in listening to the word of God, storing it up in his mind, in his heart. It is alive in him. Yes, he didn't have a Bible, but he did have the word in his heart, which was a lamp to him, light to him. And the Spirit of God reminded him of the scripture. And Jesus, in his mind, turns to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, which speaks about how God tested his people. Humble them, cause them to hunger, to see what was in their heart. And their heart came out, became disloyal to God. They murmured, man needs bread to sustain his life. Yes, that is true, but the word alone guarantees life. The word of God is superior to physical bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth. Out of the mouth of God, God's creative and omnipotent word guarantees our life. That word that created the universe out of nothing. That word that sustains the universe. That word that is better than life. That word that is better than bread. Moses was with God 40 days and 40 nights without eating or drinking, yet he was sustained. And we are not even told anywhere that he hungered. God can sustain us with his supernatural, creative, and powerful word. Jesus reasoned in this manner. God led me to the wilderness as he led the Israelites to the wilderness. There is no food here. He knows that I need food. He will sustain me in his own way. I will not murmur as the Israelites did. I will trust God. I will wait for God to direct me by his word. We are told in the Bible once Elijah was fed by the angels. God will Feed me in his own time. No, I will not act independently of my father. I came to obey him fully. And my food is to do the will of God and finish it. Satan, you cannot deflect me from my purpose to fulfill my divine commission. And you notice at the end we are told God sent angels and they were ministering to him. Second temptation that has to do with this a public spectacle. In a vision or literally Jesus was led to the highest place in the temple 
in the temple complex. The very pinnacle of its outer wall. Probably the southeast corner of the wall. Overlooking the Kidron Valley over 100 feet down. Now Jesus, the temptation is, you are the son of God, aren't you? You can do all things and now I understand that you believe in the Bible and its authority and you will not do anything contrary to scripture. But let me tell you a scripture. See, devil knows scripture, isn't that true? More than most Christians know. You are the son of God, you are a believer in God's word. Now, I also believe in God's word and tremble. Well, Jesus turned to Psalm 91 and in verse 11 and 12. There we read, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So look down. 100 feet down. You feel dizzy a little bit? Don't worry. Cast yourself down. He shall command angels to bear you up. And no harm shall come to you. It will be a great feat. Then you can get instant popularity among the people. You will be known as the Messiah. Besides, it seems there is a rabbinical tradition. That says when the king Messiah reveals himself, he will come and stand on the roof of the holy place. Besides, Jesus, don't worry. This is the holy city. This is where God dwells. His presence is felt so thick in this place. God will not forget you. Jump! Be popular. Receive the acclamation from people. Be the popular Messiah rather than the suffering Messiah. Say goodbye to this path of humiliation. This suffering servant idea. Forget about it. But let me tell you about the devil interprets scripture falsely. And let me tell you a lot of Christian people interpret scripture the same way the devil interprets it. They pick and choose the scripture to prove their particular interests. The devil uses scripture to oppose scripture. The devil uses scripture just like the liberal theologians and cult leaders use scripture. The devil refuses to believe in the unity of scripture. He does not believe scriptura ex scriptura explicanda est. Scripture is explained by scripture. But when you read Psalm 91, it is speaking about God's protection for those who are godly. Those who trust in him implicitly. Those who dwell in his presence. It does not speak of God's protection of those who act rashly. Those who manipulate God, those who provoke God, those who challenge God, those who demand of God to act in a certain way. There are a lot of people who do this business. You are in school, aren't you? And then you come to church and say, I, I'm not going to study or anything. God will take care of me. That's provoking God. 
That's the devil's way. Or there are people who will not take care of their body, but they want perfect health. God, take care of me. <laughs> As I indulge in every vice. Or then there are people who want wealth, but they refuse to work. That's provoking God. God, you are supposed to provide for me, do it. And then there are people who want to be saved, and yet they refuse to make use of the means of grace. And they want their children to grow up as obedient children. Submissive to God's word. And yet they refuse to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's provoking God. That's demonic use of scripture. But Jesus exegetes that particular passage in Psalm 91 in the light of the totality of Scripture, particularly from Deuteronomy 6 and verse 16. And Jesus cites that from his vast knowledge of Scripture. And that passage prohibits us from putting the Lord our God to test. When you said, champ, from the pinnacle of the wall into the bottom of Kidron Valley, an angel will bear you up. You are provoking God. And don't you understand, devil? There is a verse that says, Thou shalt not test the Lord your God. God tests us, but we are not allowed to test him. We are to trust him. We are to pray to him. And we are to wait for him. But provoking God is strictly prohibited. See, Jesus once again uses scripture in the power of the spirit and defeats Satan. Satan understands there is no greater authority than the scripture. He will not act independently of his father. He will choose the path of humiliation. For our own salvation. He refuses instant publicity. He refuses to be a popular. Wonder working Messiah. Let's look at the third temptation. And this is the goal of all temptation. This is the mother of all temptations. Demon worship. Satan worship. Idolatry. We are told the devil took him to a very high mountain. Again I say in a vision or literally. And we are told that the devil showed him in an instant, Luke says, all the kingdoms of the whole world and all the glory, the splendor of the whole world's kingdoms. Notice he carefully hid the corruption of all the kingdoms. He is showing only the external splendor of it all. Probably art, architecture, army, wealth, power, thrones of splendor, banquets, beautiful women. All kingdoms, all glories, all splendor, all authority, all power. He says, it's all mine. Don't believe when he says that. He is not known for truth. And I have the privilege to give to whomever I want to give. 
Christ, did you say? Well, worship me. Satan worship. That's the price. Satan craves for worship. Only God is to be worshipped. But Satan opposes God. He wants to be God. He seeks worship. Let me tell you, billions of people. Billions and billions of people in the world worship Satan on a daily basis. Most religions are teaching the one thing, to worship Satan. Let me tell you, Satan owns nothing. Satan can give you nothing. If Satan owns something, then God is not sovereign. God is sovereign, isn't that true? He owns all. And whatever power Satan exercises over his demons and his wicked people is given to him by divine permission. We are told in the Bible even he gives believers who walk wickedly to him to deal with. Satan is simply a servant of God. You want to know who Satan is? Turn to John chapter 8 and verse 44. Let's read what Jesus says about Satan. You belong to your father the devil. That's why I said billions and billions of people worship the devil. You belong to your father the devil and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. That ought to tell you that don't believe in this liar. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. Whenever you lie, we are lying under the inspiration of Satan. He's a murderer. He's a liar. There's no truth in him. And what is the temptation? This Satan comes to Jesus and says what? Just fall down and worship me. That's the temptation. What he's saying is this. I'll keep you from this messianic mission of having to go to the cross. Having to suffer. Having to die for the sins of the world. I'll give you a shortcut to glory. Let me tell you, everybody has a price for compromise with the devil. Everybody has a price. Judas had a price. How much was it? 30 pieces of silver. But the devil says, but Jesus, uh, you are uh, the son of God, aren't you? You are the Messiah. You are worth more than 30 pieces of silver. I'll give you the whole world. Just fall down and kiss my feet and say, Satan is Lord. Again, Jesus uses the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 13, he says, For it is written, reason, I don't obey you, the reason, it is written, 
Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he commands Satan to get out. And he left. Remember later he would say to his disciples, what does it profit? If you gain the whole world and lose your soul. And let me ask you that. Let me say to you, what does it profit? Young man, young girl, what does it profit? That pleasure that you can have. That independence. You think it is the greatest thing in the world. That so-called freedom that you desire. And all that thing that allures you to the world. Will qualify you to a devil worshiper. Lose your soul. Eternal damnation. Think about what Jesus said. What does it profit? Besides, Jesus is thinking this way. It is written of the Messiah in Psalm 2. At the baptism, he heard this. This is my son. And if son is heir and heir of all things, he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And Psalm 2 verse 8 says, ask of me. I will give you all the nations. If you want to ask, ask God. Ask of me. I will make nations your inheritance. You will rule them with an iron scepter. Jesus remembers the voice of the Father. You are my son. In whom I am well pleased. You are the king. Yours is the kingdoms of the world. Yes, you are both king and suffering servant. The order is cross first and crown later. That's the order of the father. This is God's order. And so he must first suffer and then enter into his glory. Even now, I could ask 12 legions of angels. But he refuses. He sets his face like flint. Walk the path of humiliation, the path of God's will. His delight was to do the will of God and finish it. It is finished. He cried out from the cross. Obedience is complete. And the destiny of the elect is sealed when he completely obeyed. Isn't that true? By the obedience of this one man, many were constituted righteous. Through the obedience of this one man, Christ Jesus, we are made righteous. Jesus was tempted. Jesus suffered due to temptation. He learned obedience through suffering. Yet he did not sin. And we are here to celebrate the triumph of Jesus. He stood fast in his temptation. He condemned Satan and drove him out. And he ushered the kingdom with power. He delivered us from the captivity of Satan through his successful temptation. He set us free. And we are free indeed. But read on Matthew's gospel. You come finally to the 28th chapter and the 18th verse where he says, 
Behold, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. I said to you, stick with that path of obedience. In due time, he will exalt you. All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. My father came through. Therefore God exalted him, Paul says, to the, right, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. But you are wondering why we are not seeing everything yet subject to Jesus. Well, that's dealt with in the Bible. If you read the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, Beginning with verse 8, yet at present we do not see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor, <laughs> because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. See him. He is crowned with what? Glory. Soon he will come. And then we will see everything will be what? Subjected to him. Whom do you want to worship? People can be divided into two. Worshippers of Jesus Christ and worshippers of Satan. I say to you, repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll be saved. Let me also tell you, every temptation has a purpose. That is to turn you away from Christ and cause you to worship Satan. And you and I go through temptation, isn't that true? I say on a daily basis. Satan and his demons are against God, his Christ and his holy church. So we need to know a few things first. Know that all are subject to temptation. Even Jesus was temptable. In other words, you are not going to be exempt from temptation. The evil force, the evil power, the personal devil and personal demons will come. Paul says we are not ignorant of his thoughts, devices. And he speaks to you. Have you heard his voice? I hear every day. Have you? He speaks to you. But Jesus, of course, was sinless. Therefore, he had no desire inside as we have. But we have those desires, isn't it? And Satan understands that. And so he speaks to us. He says parents are nasty. He says, get out of the house because they are too close. He says, get out of the church. That's too much light there. He says, get rid of the Bible. He says, the Bible is not really the word of God. Satan is at work. Young people, he is speaking to you soliciting you to do evil on a daily basis. Number two, temptation is not sin. What is sin? 
it is yielding to temptation. That is sin. Doing the will of Satan. That is sin. Number three. If you are a Christian. True Christian. Then as it was true for Martin Luther. It is true for us. The spirit and the gifts are ours. Number four. The sword of the spirit is also ours. The Holy Scripture. Study it. Delight in it. As Jesus did for 30 years. Number five. The shield of faith. Trust in God and in his word. Never doubt the authority of the Holy Scripture. Trust in God. He is for us. He is with us. He will help us. He will grant us grace to resist the devil and he shall flee from you. Number six, Christ who was tempted is in the heavenly place to help us who are being tempted. Look to him. Number seven, Satan is crafty. He is cunning and he comes at certain opportune times when you are vulnerable. Number eight, therefore, Pray always. Number nine. Rest assured. We shall be made to stand under it. In other words, we shall overcome. The reputation of God is at stake. The Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. The cross. Look to the cross. Believe in the cross. The cross defeated and destroyed and disarmed the principalities and powers forever. And the word of our testimony. The Bible says, resist the devil, he shall flee from you. Let us be filled with the spirit. Let us be obedient to the scriptures. Let us wait on God. And in the meantime, let's praise God and rejoice in him. Even in pain and persecution and troubles. Choose God's way. In due time, he will send his angels to strengthen and sustain you. Due time is God's time. In the meantime, God is with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the faithfulness of your Son. That he chose the path you have outlined for him. Son, yet suffering servant. Cross and then crown. We praise you, O God, for his obedience. And by his obedience... We have been made righteous. Now we have one in heaven who is able to help us who are being tempted. Amen.